0: Hello there, my name is Colin Symes and in this series of podcasts I'll be taking us through some views and some insights on the theme of worship. I wonder what you think of when you hear the word worship or the word praise. Many people have different approaches to it. For some people worship will be inevitably connected with church, with a building, It'll be connected with particular kinds of services, particular kinds of liturgy. And for them, worship is very much something that is done with others in the rhythm of ritual in which we find our lives uh, engaged with God. For others, they will be thinking of it in terms of something very exuberant, something very noisy, something involving music, perhaps with modern instruments, with guitars, with drums, with strings something which is very spontaneous, something which is, something, some, something which is led by God uh, without necessarily being tied to liturgies and rituals. But yet others, the word worship means a lifestyle. It doesn't really mean to do with, it doesn't have to do with uh, music, it doesn't have to do with liturgy, it has to do with how I live my life. And there are many people who would say their worship is actually their life. Their worship is their work and what they do. So we can see immediately that there are different approaches to what worship is. What I want to try and do in this series is to really focus in on the Bible and what the Bible says about worship. Because after all, the Bible is our guide rail. The Bible is our authority. The Bible is the place we go back to. Whatever our history, whatever our story, whatever our testimony, whatever our tradition, if we don't look at the story of the Bible, then we can't say that we are continuing in faithfully in that same path that's been started for us as God has revealed himself through the scriptures. So I'm making no apology for taking us into the depths of the scripture itself. And actually, what I want to do is in this first Uh, first podcast which is called worship beginnings to take us right back to the very beginning of the scriptures to the book of genesis in fact and to look at what worship is in that book Now, it's interesting, I want to talk about the first occurrence of the word worship in the Hebrew language, and I'll be talking a lot about Hebrew. I love the Hebrew language, it's something I've studied for many years, and it's also the language in which God chose to reveal himself when the Bible was written. So if God chose it, there must be something worth knowing about it and worth paying attention to. And I I want to go back to the Hebrew for worship, but I'll talk about that in a moment, because Worship is something that occurs right from almost the very beginning. Man is made for relationship with God, and worship has to do with relationship with God. Worship has to do with connection with who God is. And of course, at the beginning in Genesis 1 and 2, God made us for connection with himself. But man and woman broke down that relationship with God and they were estranged from God, they were divided from God. And yet interestingly, worship of God is something that still persists. So in the very first people who were born on earth of man and woman, Cain and Abel, we see, uh, even given that they have a very tragic story, we see that their lives are given over to worship. So both Cain and Abel make offerings to God. Uh, Cain makes offerings of the fruit of the earth. He makes offerings of vegetables and, and crops, while Abel makes offerings from his flock. He makes offerings of animals and killing animals in sacrifice to God. And we know that God received the, the worship of Abel, that he rejected the worship of Cain. But it's important to say that the actual word, the Hebrew word worship, doesn't appear in that context In fact, we have to go quite a long way into the Bible until we find a a term that means worship. And it's in quite a strange place. But I want to home in on that word because it's very significant. And I want to unpack that story because, for me, it has something very key to say to us about what worship is at its rock bottom, at its lowest level, at its most important level, what is in the heart of God for us in worship. So the word actually appears uh, for the first time in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 5. I'm going to read um, a little bit of that story uh, in a modern English translation called the New Living tra- Translation, but maybe you'll have it in a different translation. And I just want to read a little bit of the story uh, of, of, from Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. The next morning Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the sermons. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. Now I'm going to stop at that point, because this is in fact the place where the word worship first appears but what's interesting about this is this word and I'll give you the Hebrew word the word comes from a root shacha shacha the word that Abraham actually uses here in the original is nishtachafe that means we will do this thing it's a we will do this thing but the root of the word is the word shacha what's fascinating about this word is that this isn't in fact the first time This word has appeared in the scripture because back in Genesis 18 in verse 2 and also in Genesis 19 verse 1, the word has already appeared in another context, in the context of Abraham encountering God when he comes to him at the Oak of Mamre and Abraham sees the the three angels as they're called, their coming, but it's very much described as an appearance of God to him. And what's significant is it says this word "shaha" in the Hebrew is used of Abraham bowing himself down before the angels. Now this bowing down was actually part of greeting. It was very common for people who wanted to show honor and they wanted to show, um, uh, they wanted to show um, respect for those who were coming to them that they would literally bow themselves down to the ground and probably touch their foreheads on the ground. Now this happens with Abraham twice, once in Genesis 18 verse 2, as I've said, and also in Genesis 19 verse 1. And this is a a common common occurrence, but there in the translations, it isn't translated as worship, because worship obviously is something that is given to God. Interestingly, it's God who is coming to Abraham, and so Abraham does this thing. But here in Genesis 22, five, what Abraham says to his servants is, we are going to worship. Now just think about that for a moment. What is Abraham going to do? Abraham is actually going to sacrifice the son of promise. This is a story that's so full of meaning. We could see so much different levels here. But I want to home in on the fact that the first occurrence of the word here, meaning we will worship, is in the context of sacrifice, it's in the context of giving. Now consider that story as well. Abraham and Isaac go from that place, so they leave the servants, and they go up to the mountain to Moriah, and there Abraham takes his son and he binds him, he, he ties him up, and he, he lays him on the altar that the two of them have prepared, and he's about to sacrifice his son. And this is what Abraham is referring to when he says, we are going to worship. That's really strange. That's really costly. In many ways, it's very foreign to what we would understand as being worship. If anyone tried to tie me up and put me on an altar and call it worship, I'd be very unhappy. But Abraham is doing this because he has put God in first place. He has put God above everything. It's interesting also that the word here, nishtachaveh, the word to worship, is the same word as the word appeared in Genesis 18 and 19, that very physical bowing down before the angels. Something we're going to notice as we work through this biblical worship series is we're going to see how physical the bible is about worship many of the words that have to do with worship and praise have to do with expression they have to do with bodily expression they have to do with engagement not just of the inner spirit or the inner soul but of the whole being after all god said to his people you will worship the lord your god you will love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength there's something about worship that entails everything. And so here, Abraham is envisaging going and he's going to bow himself before God. Whether he does that literally, we don't know as part of the what he does, but he's putting himself in a low down position before God. He wants to honour God. He wants to bless God. So Abraham goes and as we've said, he wraps up his son. He ties up his son and puts him on the altar. And of course, just as he's about to bring the knife down and to kill his son, the angel of the Lord appears and stops him. And the angel of the Lord refuses to, uh, to allow him to do this. Now, it's interesting that in the surrounding cultures, in the cultures of Abraham's day, there would have been those false gods that demanded child sacrifice. And there's something here that's interesting, that it shows that this is a god who doesn't demand the killing of people for his worship. That's very important in the context of what Abraham is in. Abraham is not being requested to sacrifice anybody, any person. But what God says to him in Genesis 22 verse 12 is don't lay a hand on the boy do not hurt him in any way for now I know that you truly fear God you have not withheld from me even your son your only son. That's really key you have not withheld from me even your son. Think about it for a moment. Isaac was the son of promise. Isaac was Abraham's only natural son with his wife, Sarah. He was the only son that had been born to her. And it was by a miracle, born in their in their, in their aged years when they were old. God has done something amazing with Isaac. And you know, there's something interesting about that, is that Isaac had the possibility, Isaac had the Uh, it was possible that Isaac could become an idol for Abraham. It was possible that Isaac could become an object that vied for the position of God in his life. If Abraham had said no to God, he would have been saying to God, I will not trust you with everything. And also there's something more important than your word to me in this boy. And so God is actually testing him. And it says at the beginning, as we read of Genesis 22, 1, that God was testing him. God was testing Abraham's heart, testing his spirit, testing his soul. And there's something so key here, and this is what I want to get grab hold of, what I want us to see here about worship, is worship is giving to God everything we have. Giving to God the best that we have giving to God without holding anything back. And whether that involves us in quiet submission, in bowing down before God, literally, whether it involves us in raising our hands, whether it involves us in liturgy, whether it involves us in free praise and worship, whatever it is, the key, the heart of worship that God is looking for is that we should be those who hold nothing back from God. The Apostle Paul, actually, in Romans uh, is very clear about this, and it's a very famous passage from the New Testament. And he says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Note that, not a dead sacrifice, not one that's been killed, but a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable this is the this is truly the way to worship him this is your true worship what does it mean that a living and holy sacrifice well living is obvious it means that we're alive but the word holy there i like to say that holy means unrivaled holy means without any competition And that's very much what we see in the story of Abraham with Isaac. As he goes to worship, he is intent on putting God first at the cost of everything, at the cost even of the life of his son, at the cost even of God's promises into the future. Abraham sees the heart of worship is the giving up of that which is most precious to him for the sake of the honour of God. What rivals are there in our lives? What competes with the honour of God in our lives? What is it that comes along and says, you don't need to worship God today, there's something more important You don't need to do that particular thing in worship. You don't have to exert yourself in that way. You don't have to raise your hands. You don't have to kneel down. You don't have to bow down. It's enough just to be quiet and to sit quietly. What is God encouraging us to do? Maybe God is calling us to a new expression. Hearing those words again of Paul from the New Testament, present your bodies, give your bodies to God as a living and holy sacrifice that there should be no competition. There should be no rivals. There should be nothing that comes close to him. I also sometimes say that the word holy means matchless, one of a kind. There's nothing, nothing to rival, nothing to come close to it. That's why I say that when God, when we say God is a holy God, it means he is a God without any competition. There is no other God beside you. He is a holy God. But God also calls us to be holy and that Paul says that here, let them be living and holy sacrifices. And for us to be holy means that we entertain nothing in our lives that will compete with God. Even the most precious things, even the closest relationships we have, our possessions, our money, our time, everything we need to lay down on the altar of God. I want you to turn this over in your hearts that the very first occurrence of this word worship in the scriptures is about laying everything down and about there being nothing in the way, nothing between me and God. And as we go on and maybe look at other areas of worship in the scriptures, and I'm excited to be sharing these things with you over these podcasts, this is the the the, the bottom line. This is the most important thing. This to me is the heart, the key to worship, that God takes first place that he has no rivals in my life, that he has no peer, he has no match. There is nothing that comes close to him. And I will lay down everything, including the expression of my body. I will give him my worship. I will raise my hands. I will kneel before him. I will bow before him. I will give everything to him because he is holy, because he himself is matchless. And there's nothing else that deserves that kind of adoration. Father, I want to thank you today because you are the only one. You are the number one. You are matchless. You are peerless in our lives. Lord would you teach us today as we see this amazing picture of this man taking the thing most precious to him and presenting it to you would there, would we learn from that Lord to let there be nothing in our lives that will get in the way of worshipping you. Lord Forgive us when we have put other things. Help us, Lord, to identify the rivals, to identify the idols, and help us, Lord Jesus, to deal with them, I pray, so that we can be clear and clean before you, so that we can give you the offering that is worthy of you, the offering of our full attention, all of our body, soul, and spirit, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to you, so that we can worship you fully. I ask this, in the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to this first podcast. We're going to move on in the next one to look at the uh, what happened next in the story of Israel. And we're going to look at how the the, the, the people of Israel encountered God in the desert and how they came to worship him.